Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! of the internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are back this week to discuss a shocking amount of news, actually. That's one of the reasons we hadn't been potting lately, is there hadn't been that much going on. But boy, uh, did a lot happen over the last week or so. Uh, so we are here to talk about all of that today. Before I get to my lovely co-host, I would want to remind you to follow our new Twitter feed, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And also leave us a five-star review on iTunes because we are super great and you should love us. So with that, I am joined this week. we got the whole crew back together. It is Ben Daniels coming to us live from Atlanta, Georgia. Ben, how's it going? It's going great. Got to see our new Cosmic Kits in action today, and I'm even more in love than I was before. So They they pretty are pretty great. I thought a lot of the descriptions of it were, were hyperbole when uh, they were being thrown around, but they, they do look pretty great out on the fish. Uh, next up, we have uh, coming to us from, that's Florida with a Y, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm all right. I'm uh, still processing all of my emotions from the last week. Uh, it's been a it's been a rough time to be a member of this podcast specifically. <laughs> I think, uh, but you know, I'm 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 hanging in there, man. Yeah, well, let's get to that. I think it would be uh, I, I think it would be wrong for this podcast to talk about anything else first. I think I don't know about universally our favorite Spurs player <laughs> while he was here, but certainly one of our most beloved players uh, at Spurs in the last, ever since this podcast has been going on, is Eric Lamella, who has now officially left Tottenham Hotspur uh, to play against my boyhood club in Spain as a member of Sevilla FC. Uh, It really sucks watching him leave. I mean, especially the reports being that he had to be convinced to leave because he loves Tottenham so much. I mean, I don't, it's, it's definitely the right time for him to go. He's obviously been diminished the last few years. I mean, he's been diminished his whole career here, depending on how you view his time at Roma. But it, he was certainly long in the tooth. But it's it's tough to see him go. I mean, I think you know, for me, it really his departure really stands in contrast to Harry Kane, uh, who wants to leave and is arguably being a little slimy about it. But you know, you, you have a player like Eric Lamella who was so demonstrably, you know like putting it all out on the field for Spurs and he's gone and you, you sort of pair that with Harry Kane and it's just like, you know, it makes you really, it makes you appreciate him even more. I would say I am, that's probably not a fair comparison to either player, but it, it, it makes me really sad to see him go. I mean, I don't think many footballers are fans in the way that we are fans of, the, of our teams. I think Lamella is about as close as you're going to get to that on this iteration of Tottenham. And I think that's one of the things that sort of sinks in as a sad thing about Harry Kane is that he hasn't embraced that in a way a Gerard or a Toddy embraced it for their clubs. So uh, I, I don't mean to make this about Harry Kane <laughs> off the jump, but I guess I have. So uh, Brian, you, you brought it up. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Eric Lamella leaving Tottenham after eight years? I mean, it sucks, man. Um, you know, first of all, um, you know, we all loved him and you know the the debates that have been flowing online about whether he's a club legend or a cult hero or whether he's the worst player to ever play for spurs have all been incredibly stupid and it's just like it's it's a like, just let us enjoy the people that we enjoy and fuck off um and so personally i've and i know the two of you we all very much enjoy eric lamella and you know if he didn't put it all together for extended periods of time at Spurs, you know, all right, that's fine. But like some of the things, the moments and the specific memories are more indelibly imprinted upon my brain and my fandom for Tottenham than just about anybody else save like Kane, you know, like or Son maybe. 
So it's just like, you know, if you think about cool stuff that has happened for Tottenham Hotspur in the last few years, uh, lots of the stu- that stuff has been stuff that Lamella did, whether it was the Rabona goals, either of them, uh, whether it was, you know, some of the the crazy dumb tackles that he did, whether it was just like embodying the Pochettino shithousery um, that was part of why we were so good for so many years. Um, yeah, I, I it just he was great. I loved him. I wish he he could have found, you know, more consistent health so that he could have been on the pitch more. Um, I think when he played, you know, people talk about him, you know, not doing much or, or, or not affecting games when he was on the pitch. But I think if he'd have had just a little bit more health luck, um, he could have he could have found ways, more ways to be more impactful as a player. And I think in terms of an impact sub, especially the last couple of years, even like you said, Greg, slightly diminished, he, he always impacted the game when he came on. He did things like, you know, and 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 like you said, he was 100 percent Spurs the whole time. He I don't think anybody tried harder for Spurs, which was something I thought you addressed well in, in a piece you wrote for the website that we're nominally affiliated with. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it, it, it's going to be a big loss because I just don't know who steps in to fill that void now, like who. Who is the fan favorite? Who is the try-hard guy now? And we'll see. But, yeah, I'm really going to miss him. Yeah, I think it's hard not to think about him in contrast to a guy like Harry Kane, who has been here since he was, you know, a youth player and is supposedly one of our own and is supposed to love us more than anything. And he's a guy that you kind of let yourself believe, like, love the club as much as the fans love the club. And, you know, to see that there's kind of shine on that fantasy we all had um, kind of come off in the last few months um, has been tough. But conversely, it's kind of amazing to see that Eric Lamella, of all people, really is that guy. The guy who is Spurs the way Spurs fans are Spurs. Um, And... You know, I, I, in, uh, Seb Stafford Bloor in the Athletic wrote a wrote another nice piece about Eric Lamella's time here, and in a kind of throwaway line, he referred to him as a proxy player, and I really haven't been able to get that thought out of my head because he really did feel like he stepped onto that pitch, whatever the circumstances, and went about playing exactly as you, a fan, would want to be playing on that pitch and like whether that's because a game against Chelsea is going fucking catastrophically and you want to put in a two-footed reducer on somebody or step on Cesc Fabregas's hand or you want to wind up Jack Wilshere and call him a pussy like that kind of shit is like that's that's what we would want to do in that in those circumstances and like yeah we'd also want to score nice Rabona goals and other sexy things that he did but I mean just every expression of him on the pitch just felt authentic um in a way that you know it's it's tough to replicate and when your homegrown players aren't even giving you that same feeling you know you really have to wonder when we're going to find this ever again i remember when we signed eric lamella i wrote a piece for the site um that we are nominally affiliated with about how we feel about selling a guy like andros townsend who is homegrown and loves the club and, you know, knows what it means to wear the Spurs shirt for some Argentine out of Italy. Um, because it was in the kind of period where we were seeing a lot of, you know, homegrown players come through the through the club. Um, and people were really excited about what that meant. And I'm just, you know, now eight years later, couldn't be more happy with how we replaced Andros Townsend with a guy who is much better and also just gives you that that same sentiment that we've all hoped for from guys like Mason and Kane and Tom Carroll and whoever else. It is worth pointing out that Andrew Townsend is, by all accounts, remaining a Spurs fan and like showed up at big games as a fan. So just just to put that out there. Yeah, but well, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. 
than so much as like it's this dichotomy that we've like imagined that like unless you are you know from a spinning distance from White Hart Lane that like you have no idea what it means to pull on a Spurs jersey and you can't be proper Spurs and I think you know especially as someone who is a, a plastic American fan seeing somebody like Lamella um, and you know maybe a guy like Sandro in years past who really seemed to give a shit. Um, Not no just give a shit, but they, they seem to get it. I, I think would be a good way of putting it. Like they 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 understood the club, they understood the fans in a way that you know, like I don't want to say Harry Kane doesn't like understand the fans, but like I I don't think Harry Kane feels it in the way we do. I think Lamella probably does, or is close enough to it. Um, you know, I I think when I think back to Lamella's whole tenure here. I mean, he got a lot of stick when he came in here because he was this sort of highly rated player from Roma. He'd scored 15 goals in his last year there. You know, and he was coming in to replace Bale. That was a lot of pressure. And he just, largely due to injuries, didn't hit the ground running. And he got a lot of stick from our fans. He didn't speak English. He looks kind of like, is he wearing eyeliner? What's with those cheeks? What's with that haircut? You know, I mean, he got a lot of grief from a lot of Spurs fans. And I, I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'm a contrarian. But, um, you know, I, that made me sort of just want to see him succeed all the more. And not only watching him sort of, like, become such a fan or an integral part of this club, but also seeing the way that, you know, he fought and scraped his way into relevance. I mean, I would argue, I don't think he's the best player that we've had on our team since he's been here by any stretch of the imagination, but I would, but I would argue that I don't think there's any player who more by himself just personified what that Pochettino team was all about. Like he was technically skilled. He could score great goals. He tried very hard and he was dirty and had an edge to him when he needed. And that's just everything that was great about that Pochettino team. And that was Eric Lamella. And, you know, I said this in, in, in my piece that I wrote, but I can't think, like Brian said, I can't think, barring Harry Kane, of another guy who produces many memorable moments in recent history for Spurs, or at least since he got here. And I think what's incredible about him is, you know, when we think of Harry Kane, generally when we think of someone like Gareth Bale, we're all think, we're thinking goals, which is fine. Like, you know, that's great, that's generally memorable. Eric Lamella did all sorts of crazy shit that, like, we could sit here and talk about for hours, and I'll bet... Half of the stuff we talk about would be goals. I mean, he scored some nice goals, and the Rabonas in particular live in the memory. But, you know, like I got, like, weirdly one of the highlights of my Spurs fandom was sitting in our friend Vince's apart- dingy first apartment in New York. Um, you had to walk it back to say dingy. Yeah, right? well, anyway, well, it's not his current apartment, which is much nicer. But this dingy apartment filled with weird genre posters that his roommate had. Anyway. But we were sitting there early watching this North London Derby. I want to say it was like Pochino's first year, but I can't remember exactly. Lamella comes on as a substitute, gets a yellow card, I can't remember how, within the first five minutes, and then just goes on a rampage for the next five minutes, which culminates in a two-footed tackle on Peter Cech as he's collecting the ball. Somehow doesn't get a yellow card for that, or a red card. And I just remember sitting on this couch at whatever the hell o'clock in the morning it was, like, laughing my ass out. Like, like, if Ryan Mason had done that, I would have been furious. But there was something about the way Lamella carried himself and the way he did things on the pits that just, it, you appreciated it. It was funny. It was, you know, because, like you said, Ben, this is what I, you know, if I was a Spurs fan and I got a yellow card in my first five minutes in a game against Arsenal, I would want to go do a two-footed tackle on someone, too. It was, it, it was expression of all your malice and frustration with a game like that yes and it's just you know someone else did it it's like it's a stupid challenge on a goalkeeper when eric lamella did it it was an expression a pure expression of all of those feelings that you're feeling at home and it's just so easy to connect to that yeah like that game specifically was very much just like when you get frustrated in fifa and you're just like i'm slide tackling yeah every time exactly you're like you're like screw this game um but you know it's interesting, you know, that that he went almost his entire Spurs run without getting a red card. And then <laughs> in that final North London derby where he scores uh where he scores another Rabona. He scores the best goal of his career. I think I think we could say that's yeah, the best honestly, goal of his career. Yeah. Um that's even better than the other Rabona, I think for sure. And um and then he gets sent off. And I I don't know if that's like 
perfect summation of Eric Lamella as a Spurs player, but it's pretty close. If we'd won that game, I would have said yes. Like, I would have yeah. said that was perfect. Like, he should have retired on the pitch. Like, Yeah. But, you know, I think the other thing, and I, and I don't know that, that a lot of places have talked about this, and I think, you know, with some of the other people that are, um, that have left already or, or that will be leaving, um, you're also losing a, a, a big presence in the locker room. And, and I think especially with Lamella, it goes underrated because of, you know, the attitudes I think that a certain, certain subsections of our fans have towards him. And then also because he is not an English player. Um, but his influence with, you know, the the South American contingent of our club, the, the rest of the Spanish-speaking players on the team um, has always been huge. Um, you know, it, it you could see it just by the way so many of the players on the team right now send him, you know, messages and, you know, best wishes as he transferred. I mean, well, you, you can know, see Serge Ray, look at, look at Serge Ray doesn't like anybody. <laughs> look at look at well, and he's calling him a little asshole on, on Instagram, but I think you can tell he clearly took Regulon under his wing cuz you know, Lamella was here like couldn't speak the language, didn't, you know, had a hostile manager to him at one point, if not both of the managers his first year. You know, I think he, I think you're right, Brian. I think he made his, went out of his way to make people feel welcome here. And I think you could. Not not just him, but uh, Foyth, um, LaCelso, you know, all those guys. I I mean, I think, I think a lot of those Argentine players, a lot of the Spanish speakers, um, like he took them in. I I think during, didn't they all get in trouble during quarantine for being at the, a Christmas party at Lamella's house or something like that. Like he, he was obviously, you know, trying to be some sort of influence on those guys. I'll say this before we wrap up our conversation on Lamella. I was very, I think, well, this will be a nice transition to our conversation about Toby, but you know, I mean, he got, I, I thought the sentiment towards Lamella was just overwhelming. I mean, every Spurs account that I follow at least was talking about him. He had a ton, like 200,000 likes on Instagram or something for his goodbye post. There is a lot of goodwill for Lamella um, on his way out the door. And I think for a guy who came in here with a lot of pressure, under a lot of grief, and I think someone who was clearly affected by it for a while, because, I mean, he also had so much going on that I didn't know about half of it um, when he was first here. I hope he saw all that. I'm sure he has, um, because, you know, I think it's very heartwarming to me to know that, you know, someone who came in like that, you know, did so much to win over so many fans... And, you know, I hope he appreciate. I, I hope he was able to sort of enjoy that, enjoy how much everyone appreciated him on his way out the door. And hopefully over the years, because I think, you know, we're always going to be excited to see Eric Lamella uh, in North London. Ben, do you have any final Eric Lamella thoughts before we transition to Toby? Or? No, I, I mean, I love the guy. And I guess I'll say it's a miracle to got, come in with those expectations and be basically a failure at being the Gareth Bale replacement that he was and somehow transcend being that failure and reinvent himself into the kind of cult hero that he became. I think it's really, really hard to do. Um, and it's just a credit to, to him that he was able to find such a special place in all of our hearts. Oh, and now he gets to go play in the Champions League where it's sunny and warm, and I'm sure it'll be great for him. I am incredibly interested to see just how his tackling goes over in Spain as <laughs> he's smart hope, to adjust. I hope he wrecks La Liga. I hope he puts in a reducer on Messi. I, I hope it's amazing. I mean, me too. I don't I, know not against Betis. Batiste, but I hope yeah, he really not... buys into that rivalry and starts breaking legs there. Go for it, man. Oh, what a guy. Vertonghen comment on his Instagram post saying, now we don't have to wear shin guards in training anymore. I think it was Someone did a uh, compilation of young players, and they were like, it was like Skip and a few other guys, and they're like, who's the hardest player to play against in training? And they were like, well, like they all just said Coco, like right away. What a finally before we get to the bottom of why we have such a long injury. <laughs> Everyone's just healthy all of a sudden. How'd that happen? And we still won't be angry at him. So we have another departure, uh, Toby Alderweireld. Um Ben, you talked a little bit about like. It's kind of funny how, like, Lamella's going out with all these flowers. And Toby's, like, I think people appreciate Toby. I think people are sad to see him go. I think people certainly understood how good he was. But there's not the outpouring of affection for him 
not that anyone's mad about him or anything, but you just aren't seeing the outpouring of affection for him that you saw for Lamella. Yeah, it is odd because, you know, while Lamella was Lamella, you know, Toby was a cornerstone of our defense from, like, the best Spurs team maybe ever. Um, and, you know, there's no question about how good he was and how much of a difference he made for us on the pitch. Um, you know, when he came in to partner with Bertongan, it was like sudden, suddenly we were a good team for the first time. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of it is being a defender, you just don't do as much sexy shit, and it's hard to have the kind of highlight reel that Lamella had, but, you know, I think as good as he was, we've known for years that he's kind of wanted to leave and hasn't really been happy here and has, you know, kind of been done with it. And, you know, Lamella would still run through a brick wall for this club tomorrow. And I think everybody kind of knows that about Toby. And, you know, we're all grateful for his time here and, you know, really, really enjoyed watching him play. I think, you know, since he has declined and fallen out of the team, we've gotten worse in so many ways, which we, you know, talked about on the spot over the years. But, yeah, at the same time, I just personally never developed that same affection that I had, even for, like, for Tongan. Well, he's always been sort of second in Spurs' hearts to Vertonghen, don't you think? Like, I mean, between, I think, the fact that just Vertonghen was here first and the fact that, you know, Vertonghen had a more sumptuous playing style, for lack of a better term. Like, he would dribble out and... Toby never pulled a guy's pants down in the box. That's true. That's true. And also, like, I think Vertonghen's another guy who, not in the same way as Lamella, but, like, I think he'd still be here. Like, if we offered him a contract extension, I don't think he was thrilled about leaving. Uh, you know, he was not a guy who ever felt like he wanted to get out of here, so. You know, I think I think another one of the reasons that you, we don't have quite the same connection to Toby as we do to Vertonghen or, or Lamella, obviously, is, like, he just doesn't have any signature moments. And I think that's really down to just his style of play. Like, Vertonghen has, you know, like like Ben said, bringing the ball from the back and attacking moments. But Vertonghen also has, you know, amazing last-ditch tackles or moments where he's throwing himself in front of the ball to stop shots. And that wasn't really Toby's game. He he read the game so well. He was always in the right position. He, he didn't really throw himself about. And he just, like cut out passes and then made amazing diagonals and and that was that was like his game um i think no i, I don't think I, I mean i know 100 percent that he's the best defender spurs have had in the last i don't know 20 years i, I including ledley king uh, you know I, I he didn't play long enough for spurs like he, he probably has like what a hundred some odd less appearances than ledley did um but I, I I cannot think of a better defender that has played at Spurs in the last couple of decades. And and it was you could make a pretty good case at one point that him and Vertonghen were the two best defenders oh, yeah. in the Premier League. I mean I think the the way that Toby was able to sort of able to blend technical ability with just like raw physical dominance because he's big but he's not too big, like that he's a clod. It was. I think it's very rare, and it was very impressive. Because there, I, I don't know about you guys, but I would definitely, you know, there were certain players who would like be making their way into the box, and they'd be, you know, sort of trying to attack Toby, and you just, you know, how that's going to end because, you know, Toby could just shoulder charge him and like, you know, take their soul because he was just such a solid unit. Uh, I mean, he he really was a rare player, and we were very lucky to have him. And it's just sort of. I don't know. It is a little strange to see. Maybe because he's leaving at the same time as Lamella. It's a weird sort of juxtaposition to me. Yeah. I, you know, I think you're right, Brian. I think I think of, like, center-back pairings since I've followed football, and it's like Beach and Ferdinand, Terry and Carvalho, and I really can't think of a, another partnership. Probably um, one of Juventus. You know, certainly a competition for, you know, top three, five, ten, a bare minimum center back pairings in the Premier League um, you know at least for a year or two well, you'd be, you'd, were, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who played together as much as them I mean they played together at Ajax they played together on the national team and then they played together at Spurs for an hour long I'm sure there's 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if they held some sort of record for center back pairing appearances. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they've definitely had the kind of relationship on the pitch, you know, that, that speaks to that, that long partnership. Um, and I yeah. certainly think that, like, with Toby, I think you can kind of draw, like, sort of a line in his decline from when Vertonghen left because it wound up that Toby ended up moving over to the left more often to accommodate, you know, playing with Davinson or, or, or Dyer or whoever it may have been. And then he kind of lost that ability to play those long diagonals, um, which was such a huge staple of his game. And then, of course, kind of at the end of this year, his legs went and and then it was it was gone after that. Are you guys surprised he's going to Qatar? Like, I, like not dropping down to like the belt. I mean, I know some of that has to do with who's willing to pay us money, but like, I'm just, I'm surprised a team at a lower league can't find, but still has some sort of prestige, can't find a use for him. I bet he's getting paid a lot of money to play. Oh, I'm sure. I just, I'm shocked that there's not some team in some league. That, I mean, I know it's COVID year, but I'm just I mean, shocked that somebody couldn't there, find use for him. He goes there. He saves his legs basically for a year and a half. And he's ready for the World Cup. And, you know, and then maybe after that he moves or, I don't know, maybe he moves after taking a, a rest one rest year in there and making a, a literal fuck ton of money. I don't know. I it, I, I don't think this is any comment on what he has left. Paulinho went to China, then he went to Barcelona, you know. <laughs> who, knows, who knows what the future holds for Toby? Um, I definitely don't think it's for lack of, of alternatives, but... Sometimes it's hard to turn down a paycheck like that. No, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We have a few other uh, outgoings. Uh, you know, another club legend, Joe Hart, is apparently uh, linked with Celtic. Ben, I know you're really sad to see him go. What a fucking stupid transfer. <laughs> what a just shitty, useless signing. Is, is there another anything that makes you feel better about the new regime than, like, we're clearing this guy out? Yeah, I mean, that is... Nuno apparently saying, no thank you, Joe Hart, we no longer require your services, is, uh, you know, already is overcoming a lot of my, my concerns about Nuno. Um, at the very least, we hate the same people, and that goes along. That's a fuck off Harry Winks as well. You yeah, know. and the most Everton transfer that has ever occurred, uh, Harry Winks has been linked with Everton, uh, apparently wants to stay and fight for his place, but I, I, I don't know. Harry Winks going to Everton feels like the universe correcting itself after Hamez going there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the the most Everton transfer. I, it really seems like they're trying to get the like 2014 Spurs back together. And you know, they've got Andros. They'll take Winks. Maybe they can bring in Ryan Mason as an assistant manager. Um, you know, who else? Who else was decent on that team? Adebayor, does he still play? They could sign him. I bet he'd like to go there. <laughs> that does feel like an Everton signing. That also feels like an Everton signing. Right? Doesn't it? I, just, I pulled a name out of thin air, and you're like, yeah, he'll be an Everton player. Remember when they randomly signed Eto? Like, this is this could be their uh, sequel move. Why not? Why not? The Sissoko has also been linked to various teams. I'm hearing a lot of league on teams, which... He's a little suspicious, but who knows? I think he's probably going to go at the end of the window. Again, it's looking, it's good that we're looking to shift him. And Aurier, of course. I guess he was most recently linked to PSV, but I don't know how real that is. So you got to think he won't be here when the season starts. Uh, we also have some incomings. Uh, I think we'll start with the impressive one. And coming the other way in the Eric Lamella deal with Sevilla is Brian Heal, who, you know... I don't know. It was a very weird set of conversations in that some of the stat heads in our chat room were like very underwhelmed by his numbers, but literally everyone I follow on Twitter who watches lots of La Liga couldn't stop raving about this kid. Uh, by all accounts, he's a touchline winger. Um, he's a touchline winger. He's a hell of a dribbler, but he's also like 19 or 20 and is you know clearly a bit of an unfinished project, but Brian, do you have any first thoughts on uh, on your 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 uh, comrade and Brian with a Y? First of all, it's really messed with my Slack mentions, so <laughs> I hate it. 
Um, but no, I think it's interesting. I, I, I'm like you. I, I saw the same conversations in our in our writers' room where the the people that we know that are very stats focused were just kind of like, eh, he seems all right. And then everybody else was universally like comparing him to like Messi and David Silva and basically every good Sevilla player that has ever existed. And I was like, ah, uh, what's what's that? What are we actually looking at here? Um, so honestly, I really don't know. Uh, I, I won't pretend to have watched any Ibar matches, um, and I haven't watched Spain play at the Olympics. So I don't know. People are excited about him. People that watch a lot of Spanish football um, think he's a, a really good talent. They put him up there with Pedri and Ansu Fati and, and the other guys at uh, at Barcelona. So, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting that we traded you know the the last teenage winger that we bought for a new t- teenage winger, um, and and hopefully this one turns out a little better. You know, like maybe we'll maybe we'll foster his development and not like you know, make a mockery of him because he has a dumb haircut, even though he does have a very dumb haircut. Yeah, but he has a dumb haircut in a much more comforting way. Yeah. I hate that so much. Look, if Brian, if Brian turns out better than Lamella, then we're talking about a guy who's going to have two statues built in front of the stadium, and that seems unlikely. Your expectations are way too high. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, like, I... Have any of you guys seen him play? Other I watched. Than, like, watching, I, I'm not going to pretend I've... Like, if I saw him when I watched an A-bar match last year, I didn't notice him. Um, you know, like, I, I watched a few minutes of the game against the Ed against Australia the other day. He came on as a late sub. I mean, he looked like an, a skilled player. It was I, what you'd like to see. It's also Australia, so, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. I mean, I am heartened by how positive all these people whose opinions I generally trust are, but... You know, if I have a concern with him, and admittedly, it's the, you know, like you said, Brian, I don't have a super informed, you know, opinion of his style. But from what I'm reading from people, I think he might need a little more seasoning. And you know, I hope that we're able to do that because it's, I think we're getting the unfinished product here. And you know, I think England can be a little bit of a harder development to harder environment to develop in um, than maybe Spain, especially if you're from Spain. Yeah, my my big concern with him is is fit, honestly. Like, he is a touchline-hugging, left-footed, left-winger, which you don't get a lot of these days. And the way we've played in preseason so far, and the way it seems like Nuno's trying to play, is with a similar kind of Kane and Son up top, or whoever our our strikers end up being um, going into the season, with... You know, a fullback pushing high on the left and then an outlet winger kind of on the right is sort of what makes sense. Um, and a lot of reporting says Brian is capable of playing other places besides touchline-hugging left winger, but I don't see that he's actually done that anywhere. Um, I think he's so, played on the right a bit for Avar, but, yeah, not... Not, not yeah. really. Yeah. So, like, is he going to be able to become a right-sided player? And if he does become a right-sided player... Is he going to still be more comfortable staying high and wide, or is he going to learn to come inside on that left foot and like add some goals to his game? Because um, the one thing that the, I think the stats people I think rightly flag is, yeah, he looks like a very very impressive dribbler, but there's not a lot of end product to go with that. He's only 20. There's time to add these things and develop. But he's also been playing at A bar, so you know. Right. So, but that's sort of like what you want to hope out of him is that he can be a more complete player and if not then we find a way to make use of what his talents are and I guess from a counterpoint to my concerns about fit is we know Nuno at Wolves has played guys like Adama Traore and Pedro Neto and Daniel Podence who are all very very dribble first kind of players Um, so it definitely seems like a skill set that he is comfortable working with and, and wants to include in this team so you know all the all the articles about him. Everyone talks about what a fighter he is and how hard he works. And you know he's like David Silva without his shithead streak to him. Um, which Ben, Ben, please, can... David, <laughs> David. Yeah, I think the comparison that I've David. 
I think the comparison that I've seen that I was most interested in was uh, someone compared him to Jose Antonio Reyes. Um, you know, former Arsenal player, Sevilla player. Like, I, That's just, you know, just a comparison, right? Like, surely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but it's just like you, you look at kind of what, what younger Jose Antonio Reyes was capable of kind of before some of in, the injuries kind of started to take their toll on him. And I, I mean, that was – he was a dynamic and fairly impressive player for a number of years. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what we get. I mean, he's played basically, you know, two full seasons in La Liga at this point after having been on loan at Leganes and, and Ibar. So, I mean, he's he's obviously ready for top-flight football. Um but it's just a matter of how's he going to fit into this team? Where are we going to play him? What are we going to use him for? Um, if he's like an impact guy off the bench late in games to change stuff and run at tired legs, I think that's great. That'll be that'll be an interesting switch from us putting Lucas out there and <coughs> seeing if he can magic something to happen. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it. 20 years old, and well, everybody is, likes him. I think he's the kind of, whether or not he's actually good or not, He's the kind of player I think we've all been like sort of haranguing Spurs to take a chance on for years in terms of like younger, talented projects. Now, obviously, this guy costs $25 million fee plus Eric Lamel, so that's like $100 million fee. So this is maybe a little bit more money than I want to spend on these guys. But, you know, it's the kind of player that like the kind of like maybe he's a little too developed or a little too expensive to call him a lottery ticket. That's what sort of Deli Alley was. But, you know, it's we're taking a chance on guys who might develop into something. We're getting pre-prime players. I think... That's positive. I can't, like I said, I, I if I've watched him play in the league, I couldn't tell you about it. One thing I can tell you about, if you're wondering, well, if he's so good, why is Sevilla getting rid of him? I think it's a mixture of two things. One, I think they're broke as shit. Um, two, I think they want some more seasoning in the team, so they were willing to give up on this to get a guy like Lamella in, because I think they're got their fingers crossed. This is the year that Real Madrid and Barca fall off, and they might, with enough seasoning in the team, can really take a crack at the whole league title. And three, uh, that Sevilla team is just has great wingers coming out of their ears. I mean, Oscampos plays for them. They've got, you know, well, Mella, you could even throw into that, but they've got a couple pretty good wingers. And most of Lopetegui likes to play with wingers who cut inside, and that's obviously not what we've heard about Heal. So my guess is between the fact that this guy probably needs a little more uh, experience and the fact that he doesn't play exactly like how Lopetegui wants to play, I think they were probably willing to give him up in order to get a guy like Lamella because so now Lamella can kill everybody else in the league for them and I mean look if this is our yearly winger lottery ticket in the mold of Clinton and G and George Kevin and Kudu I like this one a lot better than either of those you know I, I think he's has a little bit more of a history of you know production in the top flight and also there's a little bit more to dream on because I think He's joining us younger than either of those two mm-hmm. did. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think this one uh, just makes sense. I think I, we'll I see. Mean, he costs more twice as much as both of them combined. So, so he better. It's definitely more like the Bergwijn mold than the Clinton mode uh, mold. But, yeah, I, I only really have one question, and that is, are you going to get a Brian jersey, Brian? You better. I don't know. I feel like. You better. I, like I shouldn't. Like, you should be a real hipster. Get an A bar. Even get, though get... I would know that it's him, would other people know? And would other people just think I'm a tool? I like, because I care very much what other people think, as you guys know. Hey, if I if there was a player on Spurs and his last name was Greg, I would buy that jersey in a heartbeat. So. Oh, you're not buying a skip jersey? I'm definitely buying a skip jersey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you get your skip jersey, I will get it. <laughs> You sure you just want one P on it? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Uh, the other uh, in we have is um, Pierluigi Golini from Atalanta, who was their starting keeper until about a year ago. Uh, yeah, Ben's making the Italian gesture out of respect. So is Brian. We're all we're all respecting our Italian brothers. I'll do a different Italian gesture. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, forget about it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, Ben, you're not super thrilled with this signing, are you? 
I'm just not really sure what we're doing. Um, you know, I last year when we bought Joe Hart, everyone was like, well, he's fine. He's three, third choice keeper who gives a shit, you know. And that proved not to be the case. He was, uh, we sold Gazaniga or we loaned him out or whatever we did. And Joe Hart immediately became our backup. And he was not very good. Um, and I hate him. So now it's looking like Golini is, you know, just a Joe Hart replacement. But, you know, we are replacing a homegrown player with a player who, despite having uh, some of his early career at Man U and Aston Villa, uh, not, does not qualify for homegrown status. And our squad right now has a very, very tight um, cap for, for foreign players. We are right at the edge of, of signing. So anybody else we have to sign from outside of England um, is going to depend on outgoings freeing up space. Um, so that's kind of a puzzling move. Uh, and the other thing is, is it's it was enough money that it feels like there's some transition planning for a post-Hugo future, where he comes in this year, serves as our backup, and you know we'll take the reins from Hugo in a year. Um, and if it's not what we're doing, I wonder why it's not what we're doing. You know, Hugo is getting to the point where he is going to be unsellable um, or at least unsellable for any kind of real fee in the near future. His contract isn't that much longer. It's a year. Um, it's a year. He's not sellable at all. Not sellable at all. So we have, yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of us looked at, um, you know, Onana out there um, available and currently serving a, a doping ban um, who would be a similarly priced signing who we know is very, very good. Um, and then after this last year of Hugo, he would come into the team ready to, you know, take the reins. And I, I don't know if that's just like our headcanon got in the way of figuring out how to plan for Hugo's succession. Maybe the reality with Golini is just he's going to play the European Conference League and we're not going to trigger the obligatory purchase clause um, because he isn't going to make the 20 minimum appearances. And then we'll shop for a Hugo replacement next year. I don't or, know, but... Yeah, I think the flexibility is a big part of it, to be frank. I think if we like him, we can keep him. If we don't, we can manage those appearances. I mean, I would imagine this is a move with an eye towards not getting caught with our pants entirely down next year if we need a keeper. I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I do think it's worth pointing out. I mean, upgrade over Hart, probably an upgrade over Gazaniga, if we're all being honest with ourselves. I, I mean, you know... There is that flexibility there, and worst-case scenario, we have a keeper if Hugo just wants to walk, and like we don't have to like scramble for one. I'm a little curious if there's other issues going on with Oana, because you would have thought somebody would have picked him up by now. Um, not just us. That we're not. That, 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 uh, it's one thing that we haven't done it. I'm just shocked that nobody's done it yet, and just willing to sit on him for a year, so we'll see, but yeah. And he's a Leon, he's a link with Inter, he's a link with a few clubs. Like someone. I'm just shocked no one's jumped on it yet. It's just a little strange. Especially because now he's only suspended until November. So, you you know, if you have a competent other goalkeeper on your roster, you're you're missing him, what, for the first three months of the season? Eh. Like, Surely we're not the only club with an outgoing keeper issue. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I guess my problem with Galini is all the numbers seem to say that he doesn't really save shots. Um, which to me seems to be an important part of being a goalkeeper. Um, and we don't have such a good defense anymore that we prevent teams from getting shots in the same way that we did under Pochettino. Um, and so if we have a less good defense that allows teams to get shots, um, our goalkeeper should probably be able to stop them. Uh, so, so I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know how this will work out. I guess we'll get to see this guy a bunch in the Conference League and maybe in a few of the Cups, and we'll see what we have. But Maybe I, on Yo! MTV Raps we'll see him there as well because he is, he is a, apparently an accomplished rapper. Uh, he, he's a rapper. I don't know about accomplished. <laughs> he, is, he is accomplished only in that he accomplished releasing a YouTube video. Hey, that's more. Than, that's actually not more than most footballers have done. But 
you know, at least he's a character, it seems like. Yeah, and I guess just to Brian's comment about his his numbers, his stats number, his save numbers aren't awful. He's like about an average keeper. Um, his expected goals versus or post shot expected goals versus goal allowed, it's a difference of like negative point zero one per ninety kind of thing. It's like it's very close to being about even. Um, it's just we've had one of the B plus goalkeepers in the world over the last 10 years and going from that to a guy who's about average um, is a real drop in quality. And I don't know why we're targeting average. I suspect partly because we don't know what we're doing with our main keeper. So speaking of which, Ben, I'll start with you. Would you keep Hugo? Would you sign Hugo to a two or three year extension? I think I would, I love Hugo and I would love to keep him. Uh, And he had a very good season last year. I think in a vacuum, I don't think that's the optimal keeper solution, just given his age and given what else is out there. Um, But if we find ourselves in a situation where we have to sign Hugo for another two, three years, I think that's fine. Like, you know, we'll see what he gives us this season. If if he falls off a cliff, then I'm going to be a lot less happy about it. And I wish I'll have wished we had done more planning um, because we all know the clip is coming sooner or later. But that's the problem with keepers. He's he's 35 right now. I mean, he could be. It's not crazy to say this isn't like an insane thing. We could sign him to a three-year contract, and he could be even if he's not as good as he was last year. That that could be a perfectly fine move by the club. Like it, it's keep when keepers fall off. Is you're right that when the cliff comes, it comes, but it's usually pretty rapid. So I have no idea how much longer we feel like he'd be good for. I mean. He does rely on, you know, sort of timing and athleticism in a way that some keepers don't. I don't know if that's good or bad, but keepers age differently than other players. And I, I you know, probably this is a decision that Spurs see him every day. They know what he's like on the, on the, um, in the medical room. Like, they probably have as good an understanding as anyone of, is Hugo worth taking a bet on? Yeah, I mean, he could be Buffon. Who knows? Like, he could go till he's 40. He could be Brad Friedel, which is not as good, but, like, still got some durability there. Or he could be Casillas. And... Yeah. Well, I, I mean, he already I, survived Jose Mourinho, so he's not going to be Casillas. So. It's true. It's true. And I, I just think, you know, he, like Greg said, he depends so much on reflexes and, and, like, timing and everything that if that goes, like, even just a fraction it's going to be a real problem he, because he's not a big imposing guy. So he can't rely on size or, you know, length or whatever. He, he, he really just has to rely on he's springy and he times things well and his reactions are great. And, you know, a tenth of a section, a sec, a second on any of his reactions. And ugh, we might be in trouble. But for now, let's keep doing it. So yeah, we've been um, the other big uh, rumor. The two the two rumors that are we're being linked to that are definitely that look like they're going to happen is Tomiyasu from uh, Italy and Romero also from Italy. It looks like Tomiyasu is going to happen, but he's just been injured in the Olympics, so there's I think that's throwing things a little in disarray. And I, it seems again we're recording this Wednesday night. In America, so who knows? It seems like the Romero thing is going to happen. There's been a little bit of posturing online, but by all accounts, we're going to sign him. I'm pretty happy with the Romero signing. I, by weird happenstance, ended up watching a bit of the Copa America this year. I was pretty impressed with Romero. I can't pretend I've watched a lot of Atlanta, um, but I was impressed with what I saw with Romero this summer, and everybody seems very high on him. Uh, Brian, do you have any thoughts on either of these uh, signings? I know we talked about Tomiyasu on this podcast before, but... I mean, I'm excited about the Romero purchase. The only thing I don't understand is, is isn't he still technically uh, a Juventus player? I like, think they're going to buy him out. They have like a $16 million purchase clause, and then they're going to sell him to us. But they haven't purchased him yet. But I think they're going to use the money we give them to purchase him so they okay, can sell I, him to that, us. That was the only thing that I thought was a little weird that I just didn't have a technical understanding of. And, and embarrassingly, Greg has explained it to me. So um, I, mean, I think it's like 
when we bought Los Celso from Batiste when he was still owned by PSG for most of that conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, but otherwise, I think he seems great. Um, I, I, I like that he seems to be sort of a kind of proactive center back, one that is, you know, stepping out uh, from the defensive line, that is doing a lot of active defending. Um, you know, I, I loved Jan Vertonghen, who did a lot of that stuff. Um, so I think having a player like Romero would be great. I, I guess if you were asking me what, like, concerns would be, I mean, he's not particularly big. So, you know, we're losing, you know, we're losing Toby Alderweireld, who's a big physical presence. Um, and so I wonder then about, uh, not, not that I wonder about his ability to compete in the Premier League, because he's obviously a very good player. But, you know, you, you wonder about Spurs as a team in the back line. Do we have enough size, aerial ability, that sort of thing? And I, and I understand we have Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer and, Joe Roden, who seems to be tall and very good in the air, to pair with him. But, you know, I think ideally you'd probably like a little bit bigger guy. But he just seems too talented to not go for this. In the same way that Kunde from Sevilla is small on the smaller side, but just very good. Yeah, I think, you know, Roden is definitely a guy who has kind of been out of our thinking given the season he had and that he hasn't been in preseason yet, but, you know, you pair his physicality with, with Romero and you can kind of see how that could complement each other. Um, I, the only concern there is that they both are kind of fairly active defenders. Um, and, you know, everyone's doing the cat and dog defensive uh, conversation lately. Uh, for those of you unaware a dog defender is a kind of active defender who chases things down and runs around. A cat defender is one who kind of bides his time and waits to pounce. And so, you know, Toby and Bertongan were kind of a cat-dog partnership. And so people seem to think that that's what you want. Other people Would think you say that they were like a cat and dog that were connected? They were cat-dog. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, that unified digestive system you don't want to think about? Yeah. Yeah, the cat-dog centipede. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I would like a another center back as well um, who is a little more calmer, a little more patient. I don't feel like we've been linked. We, we've been linked with Malinkovic as like a, a backup to Romero, but I, don't, I haven't heard many names. Like, I mean, we've been linked with Koundé, but that really looks like it's not going to happen now. I haven't heard like a Romero and... Like center back. I mean, maybe we're just stuck with Sanchez because it seems like Sevilla are not insane and like him and don't want him. But yeah, it's it's very odd. I mean, we had the the Sevilla Sanchez rumors have still been going um, that Monchi likes Davinson Sanchez for some reason, uh, even though now the rumors are that Kunde is going to go to Chelsea. Um, so that may may not happen, or at least may not happen in a way that lands us the center back we want. I think I saw Romano, uh, Fabrizio Romano saying that it was now going to be a Kunde for Zuma swap. Plus money on top. Plus money, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I even if we get Romero, I'm not thrilled with a center back core of Romero, Sanchez, Dyer, and Roden. It's, you're asking a lot of maybe Tanganga or Cameron Carter-Vickers. Well, look pretty good no, we need to sell Cameron Carter-Vickers. But, I mean, you throw Tanganga in that mix... I don't know, that might work. I mean, you're, you're taking a chance on a young guy and some old legs at the same time. And Tomiyasu can also play center back. That's true. Assuming we sign him. Again, like, we just, we know Davinson and Dyer are not good enough. Like, that's got to be a priority is getting them out of the club and getting somebody else in. Like, but the yeah, Romero seems exciting. And if that's but, all we do, it'll probably be okay since we don't have Europe, not real Europe anyway, and can probably muddle through. But I guess my question is, is like, do you think that in this particular summer, absent us, like, really, really clearing the decks, we're going to be spending, you know, I don't know, 80, people are eight to a hundred million on center back. We here's the thing, like, we've all kind of assumed that we were broke. I I still don't think. I mean, we're spending more on Romero than I would have expected. But if we were pre-spending Kane money, I would expect other 
players that we've been linked to? I, I don't know. I mean, if Milinkovic is really out there for like 15 million euros, like, I don't know. Like, we could do worse than kick the tires on him and get his get him in here to replace Sanchez or... Um, he's a big guy. Dyer, exactly. So is he is he quick at all? I, I you know that I couldn't say. Really, us buying non English and or Bundesliga players is really or French players is really hindering my ability to evaluate them. Yeah, we're just working our way through Paratici's uh, Rolodex right now. So uh, we've also played a few games since our last podcast. Uh, ben, I'll start with you. Did you do you have any? General thoughts, we played Colchester, we played uh, MK Dons, we played, who am I forgetting? We played um, some, Orient? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we played three games since then. Obviously, a lot of our starters are either out due to international obligations or because they're just tired and getting up to fitness. But what what conclusions have you drawn about Nuno from those games? Uh, Well, one conclusion is that one piece of Deadwood that should be getting cleared out is Lucas Mora, but given his performances in training videos and preseason, he is almost certainly going to be a Nuno favorite. I, um, I, I 100%, he should be cleared out, but I 100% understand why every manager just, like, spends some time looking and be like, if he could just fix this, I can make him a better player. I mean, like, when we signed Lucas, I was so excited, because, like, you see what he has, and the tools are there, and, like, when he's on, he does awesome things. I mean, we all remember Amsterdam. You know, if he was less of a fascist, um, I think he'd be a pretty good heir to the Eric Lamella throne of guy who really loves Spurs and, like, tries really hard and, like, kind of sucks but, like, also does amazing things. Um, Unfortunately, he's a little fashy shithead. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, he is looking sharp and, obviously, it's League One opposition and you know, I think some of his poor decision making doesn't really bite him in the ass against uh, players of that quality, and so he can kind of just dance around defenses and do the things he does well. Um, but yeah, I'm very nervous <laughs> about Lucas. Um, other guys have looked good. Steven Bergvine is looking better and better with each match. He seems to be gaining confidence, taking shots, um, you know, making good runs, just doing all the things that a guy as multi talented as Bergvine we know is um, finally plugged into an attack with some kind of structure and some kind of actual responsibility to you mean, attack. You mean actually plugged into attack? Yeah. <laughs> Period. Full stop. Second right back. Um, looks really good. You know, hasn't scored. I'm not sure if he's had an assist, but um, he's doing all the right things and, you know, it's starting, I think, to make people remember why we signed him and why we got excited about him in the first place. So I think Bergvine is probably the player most psychologically damaged by Jose Mourinho. Like Delhi obviously suffered the most under Mourinho, but like he, it doesn't seem to have bothered him all that much. Um, I think it's really profoundly, but in a very different kind of yeah, way. Yeah, I think Bergvine's still afraid to take shots. I think Bergvine's still afraid to take shots. It's I think he'll get over it eventually, but... I mean, he had a one-on-one again in, in, I think, the Colchester match where, oh, yeah, he did have an assist. Instead of taking a shot where he was one-on-one with a keeper, he slowed down, waited for someone to support him, and then squared it um, like a coward whose mind has been broken by a Portuguese monster. Um, but, yeah, Delhi seems to have taken the psychological abuse um, on board and turned himself into a new and improved physically fit specimen who uh, looks looks good again. He's got some game. tattoos on his knuckles, like, hate Jose, while he does, like, push-ups on, the, on his um, on his bench. Yeah. Yeah, Delhi like, got, like, prison scary. Like, that was his transformation. <laughs> he did a hard yeah, time. He still like, has his Avengers tattoos, though, so... And his Barney Rubble tattoo. So uh, I just realized in the course of this conversation, I forgot maybe the biggest piece of transfer news in, in the tap is our last podcast. Hunming Sun has finally signed an extension with Spurs. How do you guys feel about this? I mean, speaking of guys who are, you know, not from London, who fucking seem to get it and, like, love it here and, like, make everybody happy, Hungman Sun is, I think, the new face of this club when – whether Harry Kane stays or goes, um, I think everybody loves him. I think if he has a season remotely like last season, um, 
I would think it'd yeah. be better if they plug him into an actual attack. Like, is it just relying on, like, hey, you and Harry, you go figure something out? I also think it's interesting that he came back. He came back, signed the new contract, played in a friendly, what, two days later? And then scored a goal, and then scored a two today, one today. Um, you know, I, I mean, he hasn't needed any time to acclimate or, or find his legs. Like, he's just... He's just, that's what I love about Son is he plays so much football, but he is always ready to play more football. And he's he just so happy while he does it. Well, uh, so, so, unfortunately, go ahead, okay. No, go ahead. I was just saying, so he has that month or two a season where he just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're all sad. But I think, like, Son's kind of, it's interesting, because I think, you know, you would argue, I know our friend Michael Cayley has argued that this team probably needs to sell one of Harry Kane or Hunming Son to, like, transition to the next iteration, and I, as a fan, don't really want to see that. But I think, you know, in a world where Harry Kane is agitating to leave, whether or not that gets resolved in our favor or not, you know, I think keeping Son isn't the worst idea, even if you do consider his age. I mean... I don't know how he's going to react when his pace... I don't know how he's going to sort of change as a player when his pace drops off, but he's still looking elite. If you're Spurs, you have a world-class attacker. And quite frankly, especially in a COVID year, there just isn't a market for Son. I think that's largely down to racism, which I'm a little perplexed by, given that, you know, like, Leverkusen, like, got a sponsor for a whole season entirely off the fact that, like, Son played for them and and they got a Korean sponsor for their jersey. It's... I'm a little perplexed that, you know, in the ruthless capitalist market that is world football, that somebody isn't like, let's go sign the really excellent Korean player who's highly marketable in Asia. Um, But the fact of the matter is, I think it's telling that nobody is trying to... There there hasn't been a serious transfer attempt at him since he's gotten here. Now, maybe he's just so happy he doesn't want to leave, and that's why it's happened. But I don't get the feeling that the Real Madrids or the Man Uniteds of the world, you know are trying very hard to pull him off of Spurs. So if you're not going to make a lot of money off of him, I mean, better keep him around. And I'm, I'm happy to keep him. I'm very, from my American perspective, I'm very, like, hung up on, I've talked about on this podcast before, like, what players get remembered as playing for what team. And there's a level at which I'd be very happy to have Son just sort of play in his twilight years for us. Um, partly because he's fun to watch, partly because, you know, I want him to be associated with us. And it would be really fun if he left, if, if Harry Kane left, and then Son leads us to a trophy, and fuck you, Harrys. <laughs> Boy, we sound better. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess so, some other highlights. Uh, Oliver Skip is looking very good. His passing range has been really impressive, as much as anything. Um, he put in a, a really good tackle to start the move for was it Sun's goal today? I think, it, I think Bergvine took it down, right? Or that, was that in the other game that um, he had that ridiculous cross-field pass? Oh, that was yeah. the other yeah. game. Yeah, the, I was talking about the pass. I was talking about uh, a tackle that he switched defense into attack. But yeah, his passing, his long-range passing has been really good. His work rate in midfield has been really good. His He just already looks so much better than Harry Winks has looked. <laughs> Apparently Bielsa was trying to get us to loan him to Leeds which, you know, isn't going to happen, but it, still, it's, there, there's there's a seal of approval that I'd like to see. I've been kind of impressed with uh, Dane Scarlett, who I know is kind of like our next in the, the, the youth players that we're kind of dreaming on, but like, I think I have been impressed with just how physically ready he seems for the demands of football uh i think you know he needs to improve his finishing but he's also like what is he 17 uh you know that's something that you you know it took harry kane into his 20s to really become the the finisher that we we think of him today but i think in terms of someone who looks ready and who in preseason admittedly has 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 seemed up to the physical challenges of actual professional football rather than youth team football. Uh, it, it's been Scarlet, and I, I would be interested to see what we do with him this year. Whether it's seasoning in the Europa Conference League or sending him out 
out on loan to something like League One or the Championship. And to me, I think he's certainly been much more impressive so far this preseason than Troy Parrott has been. Yeah, I mean, he scored a goal against Leighton Orient that was a very well-taken finish. I think at his age, it's you run the risk of sending him on a loan that he doesn't get to play because he's young and no one wants to trust a 17-year-old. I think I'd be perfectly happy letting him get Europa Conference League minutes and, and other cup games. Um, well, it's, I mean, that's one game. When we, I mean, it's not the same schedule you would get at a, a loan to a domestic side, but... You know, I mean, he'd certainly be playing. He'd certainly be learning about physicality in modern football if he if he's playing in the conference league. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, you could say from these three matches against League One opposition that Dane Scarlett would be very comfortable already in a League One loan. Um, so if that's something we want to do, I wouldn't hate it. But you know, it's just all about fit when it comes to a loan. You know, you got to trust that they're going to use him correctly and that they are invested in his development the way that we are and not always the case so it's dicey and on that note i think it's time to wrap it up we can talk about harry kane's tabloid troubles next time when there's maybe something more to talk about with harry kane uh ben where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on twitter at comrade you spurs brian where can people find you talking about our other brian's on the internet and you're muted oh, yes oh, yes wire damn it Damn it. I'm not even going to tell you. You guys you guys know where to find me. You can find me on the internet. Yes. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Bonus points. We'll read it on the air if it's five stars and you make fun of Brian muting his mic. For Ben, for Brian, for the other Brian, and for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>